Established in 2020, the Authors Porch is a space for authors to share their literary works of art. Founded by C.J. Ives Lopez, the Authors Porch puts authors first and becomes a premier destination for all at every level in their careers. When you join the Authors Porch, we want you to think of us as a beacon of light, bringing you home to a porch where your family is waiting to usher you into your greatness. From live cast to podcast, blog posts, and most recently, the magazine, the Authors Porch brings promotional services and advice to authors to get their writing published. Whatever the issue, the Authors Porch connects writers with the service desire to create their dreams into reality. Hey everybody, welcome to the Authors Porch where every good conversation happens and it happens because Master Talk teaches us the art of effective communication and Third Day Coffee Seguin, a Christ-centered, veteran-owned coffee company keeps us fueled with the good stuff. Today we have Marissa here on the porch. How are you doing, Marissa? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you because when I read the synopsis of your book, I was like, ooh, I've got got to pick her brain. So guys, let me give her a warm introduction. Sorry for this uh, little table moving. As you guys can see, I'm in my alternate location. My computer decided to do this um, restart thing at the last minute. So we're going to make this work because this is a conversation we want to have. Um, Marissa is a high school English teacher in Southern California. Bless you for what you do. Thank you so much for that. I couldn't do it. <laughs> she holds a bachelor's and master's degree in criminology. She is the author of the fiction novel, This Too Shall Pass, and is working on her upcoming second novel. She lives in Southern California with her wife, Stephanie, and son, Alexander, and two boxer dogs, Max and Ruby. And before we started, she said they were sniffing underneath the door, just wanting her their mama so bad. And I was telling her, I've got my two boys here on my lap with me. So um, you may see some heads pop up here, and they may join the show. So Marissa, thanks for being here today. And I'm excited to learn more about this book, because when I was reading the synopsis, I was like, oh. Oh, man, that is super interesting about uh, what I was reading. You can tell me if I read it wrong, because everybody that has ever watched the show knows I'm completely goofy and I get things wrong quite often. And I'm totally okay with that because I can't help myself. Um, (laughs) I was reading a little bit in my words. She's trying to navigate the world where she's basically being told to live the social norm life, but she has, she's being pulled to what her life should be because it's what she feels in her soul. Yes. Okay. Tell us a little bit more. I'm excited. Okay. So um, the first, this book is broken into four sections and Mm -hmm. the first two I loosely based off of the things that I've experienced So that includes, you know, struggling with, you know, being who you want to be and who you're meant to be versus living what the expectations that everybody else wants you to do. Um, You know, I, um, I struggled with coming out of the closet. I, you know, growing up in the eighties and the nineties, you know, it's okay to be gay, just not be, not to be gay in your family, you know, right. mm-hmm. you know, we all had the gay friends and, you know, your family had the gay friends, but you know, we don't want that for you. So, um, 
you know, and I really just want, you know, I really had a hard time and uh, accepting that part of my life. And, um, you know, I dated girls on the down, you know, quietly, you know, in my own time, but not outwardly. I never got serious with any of them. And then, you know, when it came time to, you know, all of my, all my friends are getting married and having babies. And it was like, okay, I guess I need to get married and have a baby and, you know, yeah. um, you know, do that, th- you know? So I, you know, married somebody that was not for me and, you know, for so many reasons. And that whole situation in the book is loosely based off of what I went through. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's where that all comes from. And I'm rambling. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, ramble away. Cause it's fascinating. I think a lot of people live what they feel are the societal norms because it's easier to just go along and not upset the family or not shake the boat and not live your true authentic life because it's so hard to just sometimes just explain to everybody, look, I'm, I'm me. And, and, and be, you know, you don't want to lose your family. I mean, I I had a little bit, uh, well, not a little bit, a big different difference in my story. When I uh, met my children's father in my first marriage, he was black. And, um, and before I was the only one in my family that had ever dated anyone outside of our race. And I knew that they, they weren't really for it at the time. And this was, you know, way back in the nineties, early nineties. And it, it was kind of scary thinking that I might lose some of my family. And I think a lot of people that that's one of the things you, you don't want to lose your family, but you also want to be true to yourself. Right. And I was lucky like once, um, once my wife and I got together and, you know, everything started to fall into place. My family was actually ended up being ultimately very supportive of our relationship. And, mm-hmm. you know, the people I was afraid to lose, I didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, it's really awesome. Like my mom, it, she's actually narrating the audio version of the book for me. That's so cool. Yeah, she's a retired uh, DJ. And I think she's watching right now. I don't know. I hope Retired so. DJ, like the coolest mom ever. Was the coolest mom ever. And uh, so, yeah, like she's she's the party mom, the fun mom. So yeah. <laughs> and she's still the fun mom. So I'm I'm very blessed to, you know, have a cool mom. And, you know, um, Jack in the book is based very much off of my dad and the relationship I had with my dad and or have with my dad. I should say had. He's still around. We still have a very good relationship <laughs> Uh, yeah. Now, one of the things I read on your website is you you felt that you were always meant to write. Now, do you think um, this story is that your mom? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, we've got your mom. <laughs> That's so cool. And we also have Nicole, a good friend of mine as well. Um, yes, I love Nicole. I'm reading her book right now, you guys. It's awesome. So if you, I, I'm just going to give a little quick plug. If you guys are watching, read Sophia Madison and The Voice Within because it's so fun. So. Yes, it is very fun. It is very fun. I, I read that book um, quite a while ago now. Gosh, I can't believe it's been so long since I met Nicole. Um, but yeah, do you, do you think when, when you say that you were meant to write, do you think that you were always meant to write this story or do you think that you will write other genres or will this kind of always be your genre? Um, it's kind of funny. Cause I actually wrote my first book when I was in like eighth grade. Um, 
and uh, I don't know what happened to it. It was, we had an old desktop computer and, you know, we didn't back things up back then. So um, <laughs> I don't know where it went, but I wrote, it was like 150 pages and it was, you know, pretty interesting, I guess, for being in eighth grade. But, um, and then I, after that, I was always into writing short stories and I, you know, but I got, I got talked out of it because at that time, you know, indie publishing wasn't a thing and, I was intimidated. I didn't think I was going to be that good to, to ever publish. You know, it was just kind of a hobby. And this book um, started as a therapy project. My therapist was like, you know, you need to write, just get, you know, get your thoughts out of your head. You know, you're, you're wound up in there. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, <laughs> I started writing and then I was like, this is just way too personal. Um, so let me fictionalize this. So then I started fictionalizing it and then I started really getting into it. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is good. Like, I like it. And then I was like, well, maybe I think it's good, but well, other people think it's good. And I tossed it off to some of my, my beta readers and they were like, no, this is really good. (laughs) This is fascinating. We love this. And, um, the book I'm working on now is my second book is kind of in the same genre. It's definitely got the, some of the same undertones, the, um, you know, it's, it's a, another lesbian romance. It's, but it, and it's very dark, kind of like this too shall pass. It, you know, has a very dark twist to it that, you know, so I, I'm guessing I'm kind of finding my niche with that, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know. Like I keep thinking, like, I think my second book will probably be my last one. I think I'm only going to do this twice. <laughs> but really? I, finding inspiration is, you know, I mean, we'll see if I get, if the urge strikes and something hits me and the story comes, cause my characters and my stories have happened organically. Like they just kind of, they, these characters crawl into my head and they just kind of come to life and they, they tell the story. Yep. So, I mean, you're an author, you know how that can be. Yeah. I mean, I tell people, I, I often have to say, um, the characters tell me what to write. Like yes. if, if the characters stop talking to me, then I have nothing to write. Um, and I, I have to also put the disclaimer, they don't speak to me audibly. I'm not hearing voices, right. so I don't need to go and talk to somebody, but the characters basically, they're like poking at me. Hey, I've got something to say. You need to write it down. And that's where I get my stories from. I often tell people I'm a narrator. I'm narrating these characters stories because I'm not making this stuff up. They're telling me what to write. So I totally get you on that one. Um, but I think that if, if more characters come to you, I would say, write them and write them and keep writing them and enjoy the process. Uh, especially if you started it for, for mental health reasons, because that's the reason why I started my journey. Um, and now 20 books later, whether they're good or not, isn't even the, the question. The, the answer is, because I needed to write them. Yes, that's that's exactly it. Like with this tube shell pass, like I said, the first two sections being loosely based on my on my journey, uh, and you know that was so that was completely organic. And then you know the reason it even became a book was um, my wife and I were watching this documentary on mediums and the other side and everything mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, my, my son has talked voraciously about, um, the contentious relationship he has with his stepmother and, you know, being a mama bear, you, 
you know, you just kind of want to like, hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so we were watching it and I was like, and I looked at my wife and I was like, wouldn't that be funny if I could just, you know, if something happened to me and I just went and I just, you know, my spirit just tormented her. And I was like, oh, <laughs> please don't talk. That's, that's, that's dark. Don't do that. That's just, no, that's not right. Don't, just shh. don't, I don't, don't ever talk about that again. And I was like, Oh, wait, but wait, no, look, look, we got to talk about this some more because that would make such a good book. And she's like, just, I don't know. I don't want to hear, I don't want to even think about that. Just stop. And I was like, you know, and I was in the middle of writing that, you know, that piece for therapy. And I was like, this is, this is, this is happening. And it just, in, you know, it just, the story told itself on that point. And then, um, you know, the second book, it was, you know, it, my wife and I were camping and we were up in, it was South Lake Tahoe, this little place called Zephyr Cove. And there was only like five other campers there. And so we were sitting out by the fire one night. And normally when you're camping, you know, all these people are all around and they're everywhere and they're talking to you and they're socializing. This campground, nobody was socializing with us and like nobody was socializing with each other. It was just this weird kind of vibe. And so we're sitting out by the fire one night and I just started like pointing out different campers and making up stories about them. And so this second book of mine was going to be a collection of short stories based off of that. Mm -hmm. But one of the stories just kind of stuck in my head and it was like, no, this needs to be a whole book by itself. Yeah. And so like, you know, so I had these two stories that had just organically grown in my head. And now I'm kind of like, okay, I don't think there's anything else in there right now. <laughs> I I think the best thing for authors is to go is to go to Europe one mm -hmm. and and because it's probably the only place where you can sit outside and have a cup of coffee and people watch and people watching is how you come up with some of your best stories because through people watching exactly what you did is you come up with these stories. I tell you, uh, some of my best people watching experiences was when I was in Afghanistan. I would sit there with a cup of coffee on the um, picnic tables. It was inside the base, so we were in a safe zone. And I would sit there and just drink coffee by myself. And I would watch all the soldiers, airmen, Marines, and Navy folk, and even some of the Afghan folks. And I would watch them, and they would be having conversations, and I would make up their whole lives. And I wish I would have wrote some of that down because imagine just, I, I love that you said that you were making up stories about these campers and, and you wrote a book based on it because people do not realize how powerful the brain is when you can sit in silence and just watch other people. Mm -hmm. That was so, that's so cool. It's it. Like I said, my wife is always like, you know, we'll sit there and, you know, I'll just start telling her stories. I'm like, see those people over there? They're on a first date. It is so not going well. Oh my God. He is like hating her right now. And she's like, she's like, quit staring. And I'm like, I'm not staring. She's like, you are, stop. See, and that's what you can do in Europe. Like the United States needs to bring this whole tables outside um, vibe that they have in Europe and it's okay to look at people like in Europe it's okay to look at people everybody looks at everybody and there's not why are you looking at me type of vibe like you don't get you know how the United States is why are you looking at me you don't do that over there that's um, the of Southern California though we have lots of outdoor you know things like that okay. and it's nice weather 85 to 90 percent of the time 
So, you know, we do get a lot of that outdoor, you know, people watching going on out here, but yeah. <laughs> In Southern California, everybody likes it when you look at them. So oh, okay. I might need to visit Southern California. That might be my, my Europe of the United States. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm gonna have to tell my husband, Hey, I found my Europe of the United States because that's the one thing that we've been missing since we came back from Germany was we need that outside flow because me and him would sit there and have some ice cream or something and we would just watch people it was so much fun and now we're just stuck to watching the dogs and making up the stories that <laughs> their faces you know how dogs are with their faces right <laughs> i write books about dogs too so the, i mean this is one of those things that you have to do new orleans is another one of those places where you can go and just people watch and you get some fantastic that that when we went to Europe for our honeymoon, every place I went, I was like, Oh, that's like New Orleans, but cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> New Orleans is beautiful. I've only went there for a couple of days um for a convention. It's when I was selling Avon. But um I definitely need to go back. My husband was supposed to go with me and then our air condition blew out and he didn't go. So we yeah it, wasn't as fun as it was supposed to be but i do have a question for you yes so and the reason i have this question is because you have such a um interesting background you're a teacher you have a degree in criminology and now you're a writer so when you were young what did you want to be when you grew up like what did what was your dream um i wanted to honestly i wanted to be a writer like okay. my like my both of my parents were really into like my mom raised me to be a reader like she used to read to me every night before I could read and then once I could read on my own you know that was what I was allowed to do after she tucked me in she's like you can read for 30 minutes you know and so and then she never discouraged me from picking up any book that I wanted when I was when I was in high school I had books confiscated by my teachers because they were like this is this is not appropriate for you and they would call my mom and be like, do you know your daughter's reading American Psycho? And, <laughs> you know, and my mom's like, she can handle it. She's fine. You know, give her her book back. You know? Yeah. Um, and my dad would tell me, you know, cause my mom and dad were divorced by the time I was two. So when my dad would pick me up for our visitations, you know, he lived two hours away from us. So he'd be driving me home and he would tell me he'd make up these fantastic, creative ghost stories. Mm. And, you know, and I, I mean, these stories he'd, for, he would go on for like a good hour with these stories. And so I just grew up wanting to be a storyteller because that was the things that, you know, reading books and hearing my dad's stories were these things that just created who I was and became a part of me. And so I just always wanted to do that. And, you know, for a minute, I wanted to maybe be a lawyer. Um, but I interned at a law office when I was in my undergrad and that didn't go well, but I mean, I've done so many different things. Like I was, I was in the Navy. I, uh, I was a tattoo artist for a minute. I, um, you know, I did retail. I was a social worker. I mean, I've done so many different things. And then I landed on being an English teacher. I was also a massage therapist. <laughs> Wow. You have lived. You have lived. Thank you for your service, by the way. Thank you. And thank you for your husband's service, too. I mean, Afghanistan is that's that had to be very intense for you guys to be there. Thank you. So 
now you say that you will write your next book and that may be your last. So what, what is it that you struggle the most with when writing that you aren't going to be the next um, best-selling crime fiction author would, that I could see you being after having this conversation with you? Um, like I said, it's the inspiration. Like, uh, you know, Eva and Riley from This Too Shall Pass, you know, they were, you know, their story, you know, evolved out of my story. So that was an easy inspiration for me. And then um, for my next one, which is like, it's pending, I'm, I'm in the second draft right now. Um, it's called... Uh, like Sapphire Blue. Uh, once I got that inspiration and I was writing the short story version of it and it, you know, it stuck in my head and they just, these characters became real to me. And it's like, so I don't want to oversell that I will have a third book. I mean, maybe I will, maybe something will happen. Maybe I will get that inspiration. You know, I've played with, you know, the way like Sapphire Blue has ended so far in the first draft and going into the second draft, I'm thinking one of the characters from, that book may have something, mm -hmm. but it's not quite there, but that's probably because I'm still working through like Sapphire Blue. I don't know. Maybe no. there's, there's maybe potentially a third, but I'm just not sure where I want to go with it yet. So, I mean, so it's not that I'm not saying it's a definite. No, I'm just saying I'm not, I don't want to oversell. <laughs> You're waiting for it to happen. And you're 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 living in the moment versus seeking out what the future is going to hold. You're you're living for now. Yes. And and I admire that because a lot of people say, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that versus saying, I'm going to live right now, and figure the rest out when it happens. Yes. And that that's admirable as well because you you have to know where you're at right now before you can figure out where you're going later on. Um, so there's, there's definitely value, value on both sides of that. Who, who inspires you the most? Um, as far as writers go, um, Anne Rice is my goddess. Mm -hmm. Like I, like if I could meet one living author, like Anne Rice would be my one. And like, you know, she lives in Palm Springs, which is like an hour from me. Um, if I was another type of human, I'd probably be camped in front of her, like, <laughs> can you, can you come out and talk to me? <laughs> oh, friend, what? can we be friends? <laughs> um, but, uh, and that's because she writes, she writes from her soul. She's, you know, she write, you know, interview with the vampire, which is my most, the most influential novel I've ever read. Mm. Um, she she wrote that based on her own pain with losing her daughter. Oh, I didn't know that. And um, like in her struggle of, you know, evolving to be this person that came through pain and suffering. And so her writing that book, you know, just, you know, that's an inspiration for me. Uh, as far as people in my actual life that inspire me, you know, my wife inspires me every day. She goes for, you know, she, she sets out for things and she says, I'm going to do this. And she does it, mm. you know, and you know, that to me is a, is a daily inspiration and a daily reminder for me to be the best version of myself. Yeah. You know, I awesome. my son, because, you know, I want to show him, you know, I want to be that example for him. You know, I want him to look at me and say, you know, my mom wasn't afraid. 
to go out and make things happen to live her dreams. And I want him to go out and live his dreams. So, yeah, I, I love that because a lot of parents don't live their dreams and that shows their child that maybe they should be afraid to live their own. So when you're willing to face down a fear, not only for yourself, but for your child so that you can be a role model for them. It's, it's very powerful, very powerful. When, um, when you think of other authors and if you could think of one piece of advice throughout your entire journey that you've had, what would be one advice that you would like to share to another author who may be thinking about this journey, uh, taking, partaking in their own journey? Read, read lots of books. Um, my students often tell, you know, at the beginning of the year, I ask them, what are your goals? And they always say, I want to be a better writer. And I tell, you know, but then, you know, that when I always say, what's your, you know, what do you struggle with most reading? I hate to read. <laughs> you can't write if you don't read. Very true. Um, and, and read lots of different genres, you know, don't just read one genre, you know, try other things and see what resonates with you. Because when you read something that works in a memoir, that might also work in a fiction book. When you read something that's in the horror genre, that might work with, a, you know, a comedy because you have, there's different pieces and different elements that make different stories and make them come to life. And the more you read and the more you see what you like and what works, the more you can compile into your own. Yeah. You know, I, I became a, I become a better writer the more that I read. Yes. And I've, I've noticed that, like I read back at some of my first writings and I'm like, oh God, I got to redo that book. <laughs> it's so funny. A lot of people, a lot of people are like, well, can I read your book? I'm like, oh, not that one. <laughs> not that one. We're going to leave that one alone. Um, who's your biggest support network? Uh, my biggest support network would be, um, and I dedicated my book to them. And that is my wife, my son, my mom, my dad. And then my two very best friends, which is um, Jen and Mark, like, that's cool. Yeah. They, though, you know, those people have really come around me and like, you know, really been there for me and really pushed me and supported me and encouraged me to do this and to, you know, be me. Yeah. I, I love it when people have that huge, that, that family support network and those close knit friends. There's a lot of authors out there because I, I connect with a lot of authors through social media and, and personally and talk to a lot of people and they don't have that support network and they feel so overwhelmed because they want to write and they want to succeed, but nobody's in their corner. So I always find it um, very important to ask that question. Who is your support network? Because when I find those people, I say, okay, well, let's, let's get you together with other authors because we're going to be your support network. And even those that have that strong family support network, I always say, okay, well, you know, we're all your support network as authors, we stick together and we help each other out in some way, shape or form. Sometimes it's just a thumbs up on Facebook. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's, you know, like with me and Nicole, you know, we've, we've had our ups and downs throughout our friendship, but one thing has been true. Anytime either of us needed each other, we were there. And, and those, that's what it, that's what that support network needs to be because writing is, a very lonely task because the characters talk to you and you write on a piece of paper 
<laughs> and then everybody in your family sometimes is like, oh my God, please stop telling me I'm tired of listening because I've listened to the same line 20 times. Um, so it can become a lonely task, but at the same time, it, it doesn't have to be lonely. So having a support network is very, very important. What projects do you have coming up? Uh, like I said, I'm in the second draft of my second novel, um, like Sapphire Blue. Um, it's it's awesome. I'm loving it. Like I'm actually enjoying that process more than I've enjoyed This Too Shall Pass. But I think it's also because I know what to expect now. Like mm. This Too Shall Pass was very like, oh my God, what do I do now? Like, how do I do this? And now I'm like, okay, I know what I'm doing now a little bit. Yeah. And, and so I'm feeling a little bit more confident with it. And, um, you know, it's a little bit darker. It's a little bit sexier um, than this two shall pass. Um, I'm feeling like there's probably going to have to be some trigger warnings on that one. Um, okay. But, um, but I'm I'm really liking what I'm what's coming out of it. So, are you um, participating in NaNoWriMo? No, because I'm in that second draft process. So trying to set like a 50,000 word goal is like, I can't right now. I'm doing this. So yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it until after I had been writing for three years. Like once I had gotten to like the three year mark of writing, I had already had like 15 books done and I don't write novels. I, I make sure everyone knows I don't, I'm not a novel girl. I'm a short story novella girl. Okay. Like 20,000 words in one book is the most in one book that I will write. I do. So I, I do NaNoWriMo, but I break it up into three or four different projects depending on the word count. But I, I'm a short story novella girl. I can't write a full novel. I'm like, yeah, the, the character told me they were done with the story, the end. I have to quit it. So I, I totally get that. It, it wasn't until after I'd written a bunch of them that I could participate, but I pick very pointed stories that the characters have already been waiting for me to tell the story. So they already, I already know the whole story so I can just write it really quick. So that's why I was able to start participating in NaNoWriMo last year was my first year and this is my second year. So um, I commend the authors who have been doing it for many years because last year I, I, I thought I was going to die. Like <laughs> it, that's some serious stuff. So I'm trying it again this year. I'm failing, but hey. oh no, that's it's okay. Still early. It's still early. Like, it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep trying, but yeah. um, uh, where, where can people find you? So if they want to go read this too shall pass and follow you along your journey and see um, any book signings or any other, uh, events that you might be participating in? Um, Amazon is where you can buy the book. You can buy it on Kindle um, and um, and uh, paperback. And then um, coming up next, within the next month or so, um, the audio version should be live. Um, my mom's, she's listening to the final, her final edits right now. Um, so we're looking at probably within the next week or two, having that live on Audible. And then, um, I actually have signed up for my first book signing. Um, I'm a little, a little overwhelmed by it, a little scared by it. Um, but January 30th, um, there's a small bookshop in Coronado um, that Nicole put me in touch with. Um, so I'll be there. Um, and then um, you can follow me on all the social medias. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, which I'm struggling with. And 
because it's weird. And um, it is. <laughs> it's very weird. It's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, maybe it's because I'm old. I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. I actually asked one of my students to help me with it the other day. I'm like, can you help me with TikTok? Because I don't know what I'm doing. And I, yeah. So, um, and then, um, so yeah, Instagram, TikTok, or yeah, TikTok, um, Facebook. I'm, I'm, and on Twitter too. So, um, Marissa Billions. So, just like it's, the screen here um and that's you know and i'll be keeping everybody updated through there about um the progress on like sapphire blue and the book signing and coronado i'm also in touch with um another bookstore that i'm hoping will set me up with a um signing and carry me um over here in temecula which is southern california's wine country so if you're a wine drinker Temecula's mm. home. <laughs> i i used to be i had to give it up it got a little dangerous. No, I'm just <laughs> that's super cool. I, well, congratulations on your first book signing, signing, not signing, signing, um, and many, many more to come. Nicole is great at the at the marketing part and connections. Nicole definitely can get people connected to the different places. So if you're in Southern California and you need to get connected um, in the in the author industry, definitely get a hold of Nicole uh, Paquin because she is the gal that you want to talk to. She's I've amazing. learned that. Go ahead. She's amazing. She has been such a wonderful support for me um, since, you know, since I met her a few months ago on social media. I mean, she's just been amazing. So I appreciate, you know, she's the one who put me in touch with you. So yeah, she's, she's been, she's been great. She's, she's an awesome person with the, one of the kindest hearts that I know. Um, so if you're in Southern California, you can meet her even in person. But if you're anywhere else in the indie author world, um, she'll tell you, she'll tell it to you straight and tell you like it is and, and help you out. She's, she's got a great heart. So I want to hand it over to you, Marissa, for any last words that you have before we head out for the day and get on to whatever we're going to get on to. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. Um, thank you for the support and CJ, thank you for what you do. Um, it's, I've been, since I've been following you the last couple of weeks, I, you know, I've really enjoyed your page and your posts and, um, thank you everybody. Yeah. Thanks for being here guys. Don't forget to watch us throughout the week um, here on the live cast podcast, the blog, catch our magazine on Amazon. Don't forget if you're submitting an article, poem or any other literary art work, our deadline is uh, for the January issue is December 1st. If you appreciate conversation like we do and want to become a better speaker, visit our friends, Brendan and Bomzi of master Tart master talk i told you i was gonna mess my words up i can't believe i got it this far and didn't mess my words up visit our friends over at master talk where they teach you how to use the power of your voice if you're looking for the best cup of coffee on this side of heaven third day coffee seguin um, is going to be your best cup of coffee they have your back i'm cj that is marissa go buy her books and until next time my friends we are so glad that you were here with us today and we cannot wait to see you again. Bye guys. Bye Marissa. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. The Author's Court is a certified veteran hosted podcast. Show your support. Tune in, share, and subscribe.